You have reached Road Talk, Navigating Your Journey, a ministry and podcast of the Discover Young Adults Ministry at the Preston Crest Church of Christ in Dallas, Texas. We meet at 945 on Sunday mornings, and we have small groups all throughout the week. We are located at Preston Road and Highway 635 in North Dallas. My name is Jacob Hawk. I'm the Young Adults Minister and the host of this podcast. It doesn't matter if you are single, dating, if you want to be dating, if you're married, if you want to be married, or if you're divorced, or if you're trying to figure out at what stage of life you are passing through. At the Discover Young Adults Ministry, we want to help you discover life, discover love, and discover the Lord. If I can help you or serve you in any way, or if I can pray for you, please email me at jacob at pressandcrest.org. Well, I'm glad that you are joining us again today for Road Talk, Navigating Your Journey. We are in the middle of a series on dating and relationships. We had to take a week break because of the tremendous amount of snow and ice that came to North Texas. Uh, We were not able to record the podcast last week, but I am excited. Looking out the window today, it is now 74 degrees in Dallas. A week ago, it was below zero, so that is Uh, weather in North Texas, and my guests today are from Oklahoma. They very much understand strange weather in North Texas and central Oklahoma, but Wayne and Tammy Roberts are with me today. Uh, Trey Morgan did a great job at the beginning of the month. We focused a little bit more on dating, but Wayne and Tammy, who also do many workshops around the country for the church, we're going to focus a little bit more on marriage. So, Wayne, Tammy, glad that you are with me today for this episode. Thanks, Jacob. Glad to have, uh, glad to be here. Thanks for having us. It's good to be here. We're excited. Well, we're excited to have you. I've I've known y'all for a good while. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourselves to those who may not know you as well as I do? Okay. Well, I should say I thought you did a really nice job having known us. That you didn't say something about us. Sometimes that's always a problem. But uh, no, Tammy and I actually uh, this coming June will have been married forty years. We have five kids. 10 grandkids. Um, We're now just starting to figure out a marriage and figured here, in fact, even said to each other here a few days ago, I wish we were back 30 years ago to try to do some of these things all over. And so uh, hopefully we can share some wisdom uh, as we do in our His Shoes, Her Shoes, Marriage and Family Seminars. Uh, It may be, here's what we did, now don't. Right. You know, those some of those kinds of things. But uh, we're uh, we, we want to just offer some things that have uh, we've come to understand and some things we've learned, uh, some of them the hard way. And hopefully it'll uh, it'll make the path easier for uh, for other couples, no matter how long they've been married. In fact, when we started this, Wayne said, I think we should do uh, marriage seminars. And I went, us? What do we know about marriage? (laughs) And uh, I was very skeptical at first, but I realized I think married couples need to hear uh, from a genuine point of view. And that's why we started talking about marriage, tried to give people hope. I think it's that whole viewpoint of if that nutty couple can make it, we can too. So... Well, Wayne, Tammy, I'm glad that you're here, and I've had you come to places where I've ministered in the past. I know you do a great job, so I know that you'll have great things to say today. We're talking about specifically marriage, but I think it's important to talk about marriage in light of COVID-19. 
COVID-19 has changed our world, and without a doubt, it has certainly changed a lot of marriages. So that's our first question today is, what have you seen or heard in your uh, marriage workshops or conversations with people around the country about what COVID-19 has done to many marriages? Well, we, like so many, found ourselves in quarantine early on. Uh, we quarantined for about... Um, I guess eight weeks early on, March, April of last year. So we had our own struggles, but we also found that um, statistically speaking, um, there was a survey that said 31% of married couples said that the uh, pandemic and the associated lockdowns or quarantines did irreputable damage to their marriages. I mean, that was just that statistic blew my mind. And then it said of those 34% of them, um, that was a 34% increase over the year before. So it was, it was that much more than just the regular divorce rate. And of those that were surveyed that said had done irreputable damage, 20% of them had been married less than one year. So the answer to your question is, it did a whole lot more damage to marriages and to families than we even anticipated that it did. Even good marriages had new stresses, new new uh, forms of anxiety, different situations that they were put into that maybe they were equipped to handle, but it was kind of thrown at them, a surprise. So that, that can knock you off your feet. Yeah, and then we then we found that marriages that already were struggling, uh, the weaknesses were exposed. Right. In other words, they kind of like a kind of like a car that's going downhill, even if it doesn't work very good. But then all of a sudden, you got to go uphill, and you realize that it's it's not where where it needs to be. And so I I think it's the same with marriages with families. I mean, you've seen it too, even in churches that it kind of showed where our weak spots were and uh, just re-emphasize for us the need, irregardless of a pandemic, but especially in light of a pandemic, to really strengthen uh, our own family, our own marriage, and and others if we can. Yeah, and it really debunks the theory of, well, if we could just spend more time together, things would get better. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly exactly right. I said uh, to Tammy, I think people really do love each other, but they came to wonder whether or not they like each other. (laughs) Absolutely. So the title of this episode, uh, and you guys came up with this title, I think it's genius, is Seasons Change and You Will Too. Obviously, COVID-19 has been a strange season that no one would have predicted. Um, But in in that light, what seasons of life outside of COVID-19 do you think are most difficult on marriages? Well, I guess my my initial answer is the one that you're in. (laughs) You know, and I mean that seriously because the one that you're out of, you go, well, we finally figured it out or we didn't figure it out. We know what we would have done. Uh, And of course, everybody's an expert on the season that isn't yet coming, right? Mm -hmm. I never, I'm never so amazed as when I hear unmarried couples that go, oh, I know how my marriage is going to be, or couples that don't have kids go, well, I'll tell you how we're going to raise our kids. There's a whole lot of the season that is yet to come. So really the challenging season is the one that you're in. 
But more specifically, we have found that the greatest challenges in our marriage over 40 years came in what we kind of call periods of transition. Mm -hmm. When we were moving from one state to another state, and I don't just mean that geographically, but that's certainly you move from one state to another state, you change from one job to another job, you change, there's changes in health, those kinds of things. All those transitions are when marriages uh, bend, buckle, and sometimes even even break. That's right. Uh, that first that first few years, first couple years, can be really difficult. It, it can be. It isn't for everybody, but it can be. It was for us. It's that point where you're living together, you're getting used to each other, you're learning each other's expectations, and usually you haven't talked about it before now, so it's a surprise to you. So that can be hard. I mean, there's all kinds of different seasons. Yeah, that way you go from being a soulmates of dating to roommates, right? I mean, it all of a sudden you're living 24 hours a day for the most part with the other person and you realize that you haven't yet built the tools, you haven't built that relationship in those early days and it's why we encourage young couples Man, start now. Don't just think, boy, this is this is the best it's going to be. We're close as we're ever going to be. That's probably not the case. You've got a lot of, of learning to love and a lot of growing to do. So certainly when you're first married. Yeah, and having kids. Having kids, it's another transition. Um, it can be difficult because maybe you've not even talked about parenting together and you're not on the same page or it's that whole thing of you need to spank that child more often and then it's no, 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 don't kill the child. <laughs> so you're trying to decide how does this work? And that can be really stressful on a marriage too. Yeah, and, and when the... Uh, uh, the first one comes along, there's all those adjustments, and then the second one comes along, and well, then the third one comes along, and, and then the fourth one comes <laughs> along, and then the fifth one comes along, and you finally realize that God instructing Adam and Eve to replenish the earth wasn't just your responsibility, and maybe you stop having kids. But with every one of those, it was new challenges. For us, it was we had four boys. By the time the boys uh, were all born, man, I, I thought I had the child birthing process all handled. My fifth one's a girl, and everything about her was different. I mean, she was she was a breech baby. She had some feminine things happening in the hospital when she was born. I got ready to change my first diaper, and I don't, I don't want to be crass or crude, but I couldn't remember if it was front to back or back to front. There were all kinds of things, uh, and... And that was just having the child. So it changed our relationship. Mm -hmm. So as you had more, as they grow, as they transition, and then just about the time you get used to having them all there, they leave. Yeah, and I, I think I've watched married couples through the years. That That's a hard uh, season of marriage as well because – here you've been a family for so many years, and now you're alone again together, kind of like the whole COVID situation where you're spending all that time together. And it it can be difficult if you haven't built a friendship together. And and so that that can be a difficult season too. So. Yeah. For us, you know, Jacob, you know our story. You know, we started with having a baby at the very beginning, right? Day one, there was no two or three years before he started having kids. And so when our kids left, there was a degree of, hey, we have to re-explore what it means to just be you and me. But we found that even with couples that waited a few years and had a 
long, uh, extended honeymoon before they ever had kids. They had kids and there still is this 18 to 20 year gap where they weren't as close as they were in the beginning. And they have to relearn all over what it means to just be the two of them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I love what you said, too, about the most difficult seasons are often the ones that you're currently in. Um, right. And that's a healthy perception of it. Uh, because just when you think you figured out one difficult lesson of life, another one's always on the way. So, um, you know, one of the big buzzwords of 2020 that is unfortunately carrying over into 2021 through the pandemic was the word pivot. Um, all the plans that you think you had, you can just throw away in the trash can because something's going to change your plans. So when those difficult seasons come into marriage, how do we change or pivot in our relationships? Yeah, I, I think that uh, if we learned anything in the pandemic in just a general sense in our society, and it applies to marriages, none of us were prepared for what happened. I don't know how we could have been prepared. It was, to, to use another buzzword that's overused, it was unprecedented, right? I mean, we found out that we didn't even know how to wash our hands. I mean, we weren't prepared for anything like this. And so I think though it's pretty broad in its in its uh swash and that is be prepared i mean be thinking not what are we going to do i mean be thinking now what are we going to do about those changes that are going to come along because they are going to come along and so don't wait uh i put it i said put it kind of like this think snow shovels and fire extinguishers right you buy a fire extinguisher never intending to have a fire in your house but if you wait until there's a fire in your house to go get the fire extinguisher you're probably too late and as i learned after six and a half years away from colorado you know i moved to california and then to oklahoma i got rid of my snow shovel this past week guess what hmm. i had no snow shovel now it did work out good for me i just used that as an excuse to have to do anything i just stayed home but I think you're going to have to try to find some things that you can do to prepare yourself for the expected and to some degree even for the unexpected. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then and if you're going to be able to change, I actually like pivot. I like that word. If you're going to be able to pivot, you're going to have to talk about it. Um, and we talk, you know, every time you discuss marriage, communication is always a factor that is talked about because it's true you have to figure out a way to continually be communicating how do we pivot in those seasons we have to talk about it and share this is how i'm feeling um i didn't realize through covid through the whole pandemic thing that i was an internalizer um i thought i was laid back <laughs> and i found out i needed to communicate some things to wayne because i was holding them all in and i needed to make sure i shared those things with him and and it came to a point where I had to share him with him because I was having health issues. Well, it's the same way in a marriage. You have to communicate or it's going to explode. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, th I think if you could start, off, start out early on in your communication where you can be open and honest and frank, but at the same time to be fair and non-reactive. I, 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 I have a cousin, her and her husband, they are great communicators. They seem to know everything that's going on in the other's life. It's just, 
it, it, they know what dates they have committed. They know who did what with whom and who's got to do what and where. And I just, it's been a great model for me to watch that they just, if they don't like something, they'll express it. And I'm not saying they always are like kind and sweet and nice about it, but they understand that talking about it is going to be the way to do it. Tammy always says, if you can't talk about it, write it down. Yeah, Wayne and I are both talkers. And so for me to get to express what I'm thinking, sometimes I have to stop and write it down because we will talk over each other. And if I write it out, it is expressed without um, all my my emotions getting built upon by input from Wayne. And that's a real thing. That's just a real thing in relationships. So sometimes writing it out and saying, this is how I feel. But on top of that, in that communication cycle, if I'm writing it out, we need to make sure we're not always going, well, you always and you always and you always. We need to make sure we're sharing positives in there as well in our struggles um we yeah. just need to communicate yeah, those and, things. and tammy points some out something that's that's another part of that preparatory thing and that is that when we talk about how can we pivot that means how can me pivot right and she thinks how can she pivot not me how can she pivot and she thinks about how i should when we start spending the majority of our time on what our spouse needs to do for us to get through this season or what they need to quit doing or whatever they're uh, supposed to do. And then that's not saying, you know, in a, in a household where say, for example, one of the spouses has a, a, an alcohol issue sure. that they go, well, it's all my fault. I've got, it's up to me to fix this. But what I'm saying is that if we sit around going, if my spouse would do this, we'd be able to get through this season. Right. Mm -hmm. right. When I need to start at least talking about, okay, what do I need to do? What should I be doing? And I think those are harder questions to ask and most certainly to answer than are what does my spouse need to do? Yeah. Am, because, I, am I willing to do the, make the changes that need to be made? And there is something about being able to say, okay, I'm struggling right now in our marriage. This is what I need from you and sharing that and then them being able to say, okay, now it's my turn. This is what I need from you and seeing if that is a real realistic uh, change that needs to be made. Yeah. But talking it out sometimes makes you realize, okay, we're on the same page here. Yeah. Well, okay. I mean, Jacob, you're, you're a ball player. So you know that, that playing catch isn't a one-sided thing, right? Right. Somebody's got to throw it and somebody's got to catch it. And in communication, communication doesn't always mean talking. Sometimes it means listening. And and Tammy already said, Tammy, we're not very good listeners. We'll we'll go back and forth and realize, oh, we are on the same page, but neither one of us took the time to listen. So that's as much part of it as is the, the talking part of it. So obviously at different times, um, not just in 2020 and the pandemic, but really in all seasons of marriage, you do have to pivot, um, make changes. Sometimes those are internal, sometimes they're external, and you have to communicate those changes. You've pointed out all those things, but uh, when do we know that the change is needed? I mean, what are kind of the red flags or the indicators where everyone knows, okay, we've got to change our position? Yeah, I, <laughs> when things explode, you went, hey, you know what, we need to, we need to do something here. But, but the idea is really to, 
to keep that from happening. And that's why I said, I think things need to be methodical along the way. In other words, I communicate in good times so that I can communicate in bad times. Um, we work on demonstrating unselfish or selfless love in our relationship when things are good so that we'll do that by habit when things are bad. And, and I think that it's good to just have in our background this marriage is always going to change. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be the same today as it was yesterday for so many reasons, and it doesn't mean necessarily because of a pandemic. So here's the thing is, we need to be those malleable people that are open to change. As you, as you put it, I mean, as we put it in the title, was seasons change and so will you. You know, I heard a, a lady go, this isn't the man that I married. <laughs> and, and I'm my answer initially is, well, I hope so. Mm. I hope he's grown. I hope he's matured. I hope he's changed. Uh, and if we're not recognizing early on that change is constant. And so what we want to do is not build a, a toolbox of, of marriage resources for when something bad happens, but like preventive maintenance on a car, we're constantly taking care of it, right? We always are doing the oil change. We're always doing the fueling. We change the tires regularly, not just waiting until it has a flat tire. And when you do that, you don't alleviate all the catastrophes. Your marriage still will sometimes down the road unexpectedly have a flat tire, but you will have, well, when Tammy and I were first married, we had an old car with four ball tires and she called me three times in one month to come change them because they were flat. And I was I was mad at her. And I thought, well, maybe if I hadn't put four ball tires on that car, she wouldn't have been calling me as much. So I, I'm, I guess I'm saying, you know, keep that marriage, keep working on those things all the time and not waiting for the change. And then when the change happens, whatever it is, expected or unexpected, you'll be far more prepared. Yeah, and red flags to watch for. I think a huge one is if you're not talking, if if you, and, and some couples, there's usually one spouse that is oblivious to the fact that the other spouse is not happy. So a red flag, if you're not talking about your marriage on a constant basis and not the, you know, how are you today? I'm fine. Oh, good. I'm fine too. So we'll keep moving forward. It is, do you discuss how are we, how are we right now? So a red flag is if you are not discussing or if you are not spending time talking about the depth of love in your marriage, there's probably an issue. Yeah, I, I think that, that Tammy points to something that's important, and that is the fact of of simply being aware. We kind of put our marriages sometimes into autopilot. Yeah. You know, we did today what we did yesterday, and yesterday we didn't kill each other, so I guess today we won't kill each other. And, well, he didn't say anything was bothering him, or she didn't say anything was bothering him, so I guess nothing's bothering him. Again, like I said, I don't just – I listen to my car, you know – and say, that doesn't sound right. Mm -hmm. I've listened to it all the time. And and so it's a matter of being aware, being intentional, and then, and as Kay put it, and then communication continues to weave back through this. Uh, it's essential all, all along. Yeah. So um, obviously a lack of communication creates all kinds of issues in marriage. But 
outside of a lack of communication, do you think there's any other big areas uh, when marriages or where marriages or why marriages begin to jump track? Yes, I do. Um, it, it needs to be a constant, and, and I think it's so easy for us to get caught up in living day-to-day life. It is, especially once you have children, if you have children, it the, the day-to-day life is let's get them dressed, let's eat, let's get through this day and get them in bed. It is just like that. And before you know it, weeks have gone by and you haven't focused on you as a couple together. So I think finding ways um, to make sure you're doing that, that you're talking, you're growing closer together is, is so important. That's something that needs to be done to keep that monotony from developing. Yeah, you know, we've already talked about the fact that long before the explosion happens, there were probably somebody was unhappy. In other words, mm-hmm. somebody doesn't just walk in one day and go, I'm done having not thought about it before. And if they did, they'll go to the end of the block, they'll cool off and they'll come back. It was more impulse. But those real marriage problems, and and we've come to understand, and it's a biblical principle, we didn't come to understand it on our own, it was there, we just finally discovered it. And that was the fact that when we begin to live in a marriage for ourselves, the marriage begins to struggle. When love is that seeking the well-being of another over oneself, I'm convinced that you could tie every sin that there is to self. Mm-hmm. I want something for me. I want it now. I want what somebody else has. It's I, I, I. And it's the same thing in marriages. Um, that doesn't mean both are selfish or self-interested. But when one begins to be more interested in I want or I'm not getting, or I'm unfulfilled, or I by now should, or you didn't do this when I, you know, that kind of a perspective. I don't know if it's ready to jump the tracks, but it's sure, it's sure turning that direction. Yeah. Uh, And I think every marriage problem can ultimately boil down to one or both uh, spouses being self-focused, self-interested. I mean, even in in a case where there's, you know, a husband comes in and he's he's tense from the day and he's upset. Maybe he, you know, kicks the dog and yells at the kids or yells at the dog and kicks the kids. And and the wife gets upset and says, you shouldn't have done that. And off she goes and it becomes the big row. And she instead of taking a half step and going, OK, wait, 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 let me ask him. Hey, how are you, hon? What what's going on? You know, in other words, she she dealt with the the result of that. And again, he, he may be unwarranted. Well, no, he is war- unwarranted in his behavior, but she doesn't even know why. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's really important that we say, where is self creeping in here into me, into my spouse, and how can we, uh, how can we turn that around? Yeah. Very well and said. Yeah. I can look back in our marriage, and a red flag along our journey, and there were many, was when one of us would voice, I'm just not happy. I'm just not happy. And it, we would have to stop then and step back. And and usually the one voicing, I'm just not happy, needed to step back and take a real honest self-evaluation and say, why? 
why am I not? Am I too self-focused? But as a couple, we also had to look at it and go, what have we let slide here that has affected our marriage in this way? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to do. There's so many things that can come in and, and make that happen. And I appreciate what you said, too, about uh, selfishness. You know, that's the root cause of every sin in the world outside, it of, is. outside of marriage. We sin out of selfishness. Um, right. And it makes its way into the marital covenant. So last question I had for uh, y'all today, and you've had so many good answers already, and I look forward to continuing this conversation next week. But uh, you do a lot of marital counseling through your workshops. If you were going to counsel these couples, I've listed four different age groups, what would be your best piece of advice? And for those listening, here are the four couples. We'll go through them uh, fairly quickly here. But if you're going to counsel a couple about to get married, then a couple who have been married for a decade, 20 years, and then 30 years. So we'll start first with what's your best piece of advice, a sentence or two, for couples about to get married? Well, for me, I would say develop love habits. Create a model success. Um, Up to this point, you've had a love that is based a great deal on feeling. You need to mature that love into something that's a choice. Um, I think that what you do early on is going to have a great deal to do with how you behave in your marriage um, as as you go along. You just didn't realize it, right? It didn't show up until you'd been married a while. And my piece of advice would make sure that you sit down together before you make promises to one another and communicate your expectations for marriage. What why are you getting married? Why are you marrying this person? How do you see that person's role? And make sure you've talked about that before you make those commitments. Okay. Very good advice. All right. Next couple, the couple that's been married a decade. Most of the time people have had children by now. So uh, probably more than one child. What do you tell this couple? My first advice would be you make sure your spouse comes first. After those kids come along and in that married for 10 years, that's usually the the window where they do. It is make sure you don't become just a mommy or just a daddy and all your love is directed at those children, but you make sure that your spouse knows that you love them more than you love those babies. Yeah, you you were parent, uh, you were partners before you were parents. You don't want to lose that partnership. Uh, I used to kind of tease, especially when people would look at Tammy when she was pregnant with our fifth and would kind of give me this nasty eye like you (laughs) terrible guy. I told her I was going to get her a maternity dress or maternity shirt that said consenting adult on it because, you know, both of us are in this parenting thing together. And so we were partners before we were parents there's going to be consenting, we're consenting adults, and we're going to need one another through the parenting. So if anything, you need to draw stronger and closer together because at times it's going to feel like us against them. You need all the help you can get. And I would be really careful also in these 10 years, 
I, I hear all the time of this just isn't fun anymore. This just isn't exciting anymore. This is, I'm bored. You need to be careful and be aware of that uh, quest for excitement. Whatever you, need, whatever you need to do, make a list together. Make a bucket list together of what you need to do to make your marriage more exciting. Not just your life because that's self-focused, but your marriage. What do we need to do at this point to keep that excitement in our life? Mm-hmm. Okay, 20 years. So I guess just for a hypothetical study, I guess the 20-year mark, if you've had the kids, you're very close to becoming empty nesters or you've just started the empty nester journey. So what do you tell this couple? Yeah, I, I would I would do the – one, what Tammy was just talking about, the adventure. This is the that late that late 10 years of marriage and that early 20 years of marriage is the so-called midlife crisis. That's where I, I know how many kids we're going to have. For the most part, we know our job's going to be. And, you know, there's nothing. It doesn't feel like there's anything new or fresh. Um, and so I think that one thing that I would do is find something that you do together. And I don't mean having her go play golf with you i don't need that kind of competition you know i don't need that but what i what we have found is that's a great time kids are older teen years college years beyond into empty nesters it's a great time for you as a couple to involve yourself in ministry big time maybe it's missions where you can actually go again maybe it's something within your local church but you do it together, not just he is this and she is that, you know, he teaches a Bible class, but something that you do together. We think that's a great time to, to find an interest together. It's a spiritual interest. So you grow spiritually in it um, and you have probably a little bit more time to do that. And this may be redundant, but in that and midlife crisis is real for most people. It, 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 it is. It's just a real thing. It's a time to talk about that. Uh, As I was shifting between seasons, again, I was an internalizer, didn't realize it, and it, it bit me. And I needed to make sure I was communicating with Wayne and letting him know where I was at and how I felt. And we realized, after we went through some difficulties, we realized when we keep talking about it, it was easier to get through. So make sure you're talking about it. Okay. And then the last one, uh, married for 30 years. Unless you're very unusual, uh, you're probably not retiring after 30 years of marriage, particularly if you got married young, but I guess some do. But yeah. that 30-year mark, uh, maybe that's the beginning of the grandkids. I don't know. But what do you tell that couple? Uh, I don't know. We're trying to figure that one out, Jacob. <laughs> that's, that, uh, no, um, you know, there are – I think that it is a season to enjoy – the the fruits of the crops that you have planted in your marriage in other words i do think that there's a time that empty nest isn't always a bad thing i had a preacher tell me one time man you're going to really love it when your kids all move out and i thought no i'm not because i love my kids and they've been part of my marriage i'll admit when they moved out and we kind of realized that it was going to be us it was really great i mean i love my kids and i still like them around and i still miss them but we really um we really did get to enjoy it but don't think you've got it all figured out these are the two things that we hear from couples that have been married longer than 30 years either well 
I don't think you're going to change us. We've been this way forever, Mm -hmm. which is kind of giving up on a really valuable time in their marriage. Or uh, we've got it all figured out. You know, we, we came to the marriage seminar just to to be supportive of all these young couples. But, you know, we've been married 40 years and uh, I just don't think that uh, that there's not much you're going to tell me. And again, Jake, I'm going to go back to you being a golfer. I can tell you right now, I can sit down with a golf pro and he's going to say, I'm going to go, listen, I've been swinging a golf club for a long time. I doubt there's anything you're going to tell me. And he's going to go, yeah, I'm going to tell you you've been swinging a golf club wrong for all this time. And so I think it's important that as a married couple that you still after that point, the 30 year, the 40 year, the 50 year that you're going, how can we be better? How can we grow even more? My my advice would be don't live separate lives in the same house. Make sure you are uh, continuing to have that relationship that is one flesh that is twined together. Make sure you're building that. It's not too late. <laughs> Wonderful thoughts. And obviously, uh, different answers for each couple. But as you said in the title of this episode, Seasons Change and you will change as well. Wayne, Tammy, thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Jacob. Yes, thank you so much. And we look forward to continuing this conversation next week. Um, This is a shameless plug for Wayne and Tammy. Tell us a little bit kind of about your workshops as we finish this episode today, kind of the format and all that good stuff. Sure. Currently, we're offering a couple of different options for marriages and families, and, and we're looking to churches and church leaderships who are um, who are willing to host those events at their congregation, but usually a one or one and a half day seminar, either on marriage or parenting, uh, pre-marriage seminar, which is more of a kind of a youth rally type format uh, for those who are not yet married, uh, and then our, our latest uh, uh, installation is about grandparenting with, uh, you know, over 2 million grandparents literally raising their ch- grandchildren as their children um, because of a lot of different circumstances. There's a need for some encouragement. And so we're, we're trying to say, how can we help parents and not just in traditional families, you know, the mom, dad, 2.5 kids, but uh, single moms or single dads or or uh, second marriages. There's there's a lot of stuff in there, and we're trying to stay ever fluid about that. Um, and we always put it this way: it's our material, but it's a congregation seminar, so we try to work to what they want. I mean, we've done night after night on a VBS. We've done a long weekend. Uh, in fact, Jacob, one place where we worked with you, you know, we came four different weeks over over that time. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I can attest to that. I think that worked really well. If your congregation is anywhere near uh, Wayne and Tammy, an hour or two's drive, we had them come five weeks in a row and had a meal beforehand, and uh, sessions were very well attended. So, you guys do great work. Thank you. Thank you. Very you. Much. And thanks to all listening today. We want to close. The way we close every time by reminding you that along this journey of life, there will be road work along the way. We want to help you get ready here at Road Talk, help you navigate your journey. And as always, keep your eyes on heaven. And we will talk to you next time.